What's up, y'all? Jonathan Wiseman. This is another episode of The Grit. Today, I got a good friend with me. Hadn't seen in a while. Glad you came in, Tony. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. I got Tony Wadawan with the Wadawan Law Firm. He is a criminal attorney. He also does some business law. So we're going to talk with Tony. We're going to get some information out of him. If you are an aspiring entrepreneur, if you're looking to get into the legal business, if you're looking to become a lawyer, hopefully this podcast helps you. So be sure to subscribe. If you know Tony personally, be sure to share this. Let other people see it. And we're going to dive right on in. Tony. What's up, brother? Long time, man. It has been, man. I'm so I, happy to see you. It has. <laughs> I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit. Absolutely. And we'll probably do a little bit after this. So tell me, what is the name, the full name of the business? Is it the Waterwall Law Firm? It is the Waterwall Law Firm. Okay, cool. And is it 100% criminal? Or what else do you offer there? We do about 85 to 90% criminal defense. And then um, I do quite a bit of real estate corporate work and uh, trademark copyright law as well. Okay, cool. And you were talking about the MBA, and is that why you're doing some of that? Yeah, you know, I got my MBA before I went to law school. Um, so I kind of understand the business aspects uh, a little better than some attorneys do when it comes to creating uh, business structures for people and what I think is best for the industry that they're in, and then also setting it up properly, too. Because, you know, there are different aspects of LLCs as well. It's not just an LLC. You can have a series LLC. You can have a PLLC. So, I mean, there's just some things that um, I believe my MBA is facilitated when it comes to those things. sure it lends itself to cover that well absolutely i got you well we're going to talk about that in a little bit i actually want to take it back i want to learn about tea <laughs> i want to learn about big tea so let's take it all the way back man where'd you grow up at i grew up here in houston texas well actually here in fort bend i'm a fort bend brat uh went to when we first moved here when i was like five or six we lived in ailey for a year okay so then after that mo city I was in Mo City. All I was Mo City my whole life. Oh hell yeah, Lexington and Dallas, baby, Mo City. <laughs> Straight um, up. I went to Dallas, and then after that, middle school, we moved to New Territory. I grew up in New Territory. Uh, like I said, I was a New Territory brat as well. Five six five, baby. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we we got bussed all the way out to Lake Olympia from New Territory. It was horrible. And uh, basically, is that where you had to go to school back then? Oh yeah, Lake back Olympia. Then. Yep, because they hadn't built Garcia yet. Okay. I was the first class to graduate from Garcia Middle School. So Damn. Like, yeah. What year did you graduate? Uh, I graduated from high school in 2000. Okay. So we were the first class to graduate from Garcia, which I think was 95, 96. But uh, then after that, I went into uh, high school at Stephen F. Austin High School. Go Bulldogs. And uh, it was there. I was kind of the oxymoron. I was on the football team, and I was also on the debate team. Huh. And so... Uh, after my 10th grade year. Which one did you follow through with? Exactly. That's what I was going to get to. After my 10th grade year, my dad, he's, you got to understand, Indian men from India, especially dads, they're very blunt and straightforward. They, yeah. don't, they don't know how to be any other way. I've seen it. So he didn't sugarcoat it for me. He sat me down one day and he was like, look, you are not going to go to NFL. <laughs> Let's be honest. But you can do something with the debate. So he's like, just get rid of this this football thing and concentrate on debate. Yeah, quit, quit messing around. Exactly. Even though it sucked at the time, I'm happy I listened to him. I've been able to for, like facilitate that and partake it into a, uh, a career. So I'm happy I listened to Dad. Yeah, for sure. So after high school, where did you go to college? How did uh, you get into the, the legal field? Yeah, well, I always knew I wanted to go into law. And uh, in fact, a lot of my friends have known me since I was six, seven years old. Uh, when they see me again, one of the things that they always mention to people is, is like, you know, this guy, when he was seven years old, when he was eight years old, used to tell me he wanted to be a lawyer. And now he is today. You know, it's just something I've always wanted to be. I don't know. My dad really always wanted me to be an attorney, too. So maybe that's where it came from. 
But, um, you know, just doing debate and everything, I knew when I went to college that that was my end goal. But I also knew there was things I had to do before that. So I, I went to UMKC, University of Missouri, Kansas City. Personally, I wanted to get out of Houston because, and I don't know if I was wrong about this or not, but I just felt like going from 12th grade to U of H would be like going from 12th grade to 13th grade. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get it. Wanted to get out, kind of learn how to take care of myself, so on and so forth. So I went to UMKC, Missouri, Kansas City, where I did my undergrad and my MBA out there. They had a fast track program. I loved going out there. And does all that prep you for getting into this industry? Absolutely. Okay. All of that prepped me for the business side of it and the legal side of it. The reason being is, is because when I got into doing my MBA in Kansas City, what I loved about the MBA program up there was it wasn't just about reading and regurgitation. I got to do real live marketing campaigns, real live marketing um, aspects with different types of companies in Kansas City, Cheesecake Factory, uh, worked with Applebee's, so on and so forth. Real cool. And what that allowed me to do was actually work with the legal department, okay? And that's where I learned the corporate contract side of things. Um, criminal defense is something that I picked up after I came out of law school. I mean, I always knew I loved criminal law when I was in law school, and I worked with a judge while I was in law school as well. But it was after law school when I really started going to the criminal court, taking on cases, talking to older attorneys about what I should do, you know, and it's really helpful. Did you pick criminal because somebody said to, is that where your heart was or did something kind of point you in that direction? It's so funny. You say this uh, a little while ago, I did an interview. It was about a year ago and I never thought about this. I never thought about this until they asked me and their producer actually pushed me to give an answer. And this came up. When I was in college, uh, I think I was 20 at this time. In fact, I was, I was 19 because it was right after September 11th. Um, it was right after 9-11, I mean. I was down here and I was hanging out with a bunch of my buddies in A-Leaf and we were actually at that Denny's in A-Leaf right by Highway 6 in Bel Air. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Denny's. And I had my dad's big body Cadillac with me and all my boys are in it with me, right? There's about five of us in the car total. So we leave Denny's and we're going back to a buddy's place just to play video games at night. What do you do when you're 19 years old, you know? Yeah. So I'm at a stoplight and I decide the, the straight, like I'm, I'm at the stoplight to make a left. Well, the light to go straight turned green. So I was like, okay, I'll go straight, make a U-turn and then make a, make a right. You know, I don't want to wait in this light. So I did that. But I didn't know there was a cop behind me. Okay? Is that illegal? There you go. That is Johnny, what you just said is exactly what I asked myself when I did that. Yeah. When I made the turn, I was like, I didn't think that was illegal, but I was like, all right, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I, I did something I would wrong. have to bet that it wasn't. It was not. Okay. In fact, the cop actually told me it wasn't. Okay. But I am in, you know, post 9-11. Bunch of kids in a Cadillac. Bunch of brown kids in a Cadillac. Yeah. And as soon as he pulls me over, I'm getting ready to grab my, my you know, my uh, license and give that to him, insurance information. Beam of light shines into the car. Driver, put your uh, hands out the window and open up the car. I'm like, what's going on? So he made me roll down the window, open up the car, walk backwards to him like this. I had no idea what was going on. I got a gun stuck to my back, handcuffed right away. No questions asked, nothing. Happened to the rest of the four dudes in the car as well. Guns in the back, handcuffed, thrown in the car, all this. Finally, when I'm sitting there in the back of the car, he's running everybody's stuff. He's going and searching the car, all this kind of stuff. There's not going to be anything in there. It's sure. my dad's car. 
he comes back and I'm like officer and I'm scared, right? I'm a 19 yeah. year old kid. I'm scared. I'm like, officer, I'm terribly sorry. I'm a business student from UMKC. I'm down here to visit my parents. We were just hanging out. I don't know what I did wrong. If I made an illegal U-turn, he looks at me and he goes, well, it's not illegal. It just looks suspicious. That really resonated with me till this day. I had a 15 year old kid with me that night that got a gun stuck to his back Yeah, and by cops too. And I mean, within 30 seconds when we were there, I had three or four other cops there. I didn't understand why this was all happening. That is something that has really affected me my whole life afterwards. I want to fight against those types of injustices, and that is what criminal defense allows me to do. That's amazing. And that really speaks to me. It's I have a fear. I've been arrested several times. Mm -hmm. I've been in very similar situations, guns drawn, handcuffed yeah, for no reason yet. Yeah. You're not told the reason I built up. I don't know if it was built up. I now have anxiety when cops get behind me before. Yes. I was doing dumb shit and had to look over my shoulder sometimes. Yeah. But now that I'm, I'm older, I'm legit. I don't mess around with anything stupid. I don't smoke weed. You know, just something as little as having a little bag of weed in the car. Yeah. You're looking over your fucking shoulder, paranoid as shit. Absolutely. It's something that, you know, when I was 16 and paranoid looking over my shoulder because I got a joint in the car, <laughs> you know, it's understandable. Of course. But now it's like I'm legal. I'm legit. I don't do none of that shit. And when cops get behind me, I get this panic attack. I get anxiety. My back gets stiff. I turn red. And I'm just, if those lights go on, it just scares the shit out of me. 100%. Straight up panic attack. I have had several clients where it does not matter. In fact, forget about several clients, all of my clients. It does not matter whether this is their first offense or if this is their 10th offense. Every one of them is scared when a cop gets behind them and throws the lights on. And, you know, even as a criminal defense attorney, I got to say, that is not the way we, we should live because we don't have... A bunch of bad cops. It's not all of them are bad. Sure. You do have your bad apples. You do have your bad seeds. Yeah. And those are the ones that make me want to work so much harder. Those are the ones that make me always the first thing. Whenever I have a case come into my office, the first thing I look at it for, other defense attorneys may do it differently. My first objective is to find any and all constitutional or procedural violations. That's the first thing I do. Because in my opinion, that is the quickest way to get rid of a case. Okay. Well, this is something, actually, I've got a question for you then. Absolutely. And, and hopefully this will uh, answer some questions for some people out there that have been in similar situations. And I don't give a fuck about throwing them under the bus. <laughs> I was at the San Louis. Uh -huh. It's the same old white bearded motherfucker that's worked there for 20 years. Okay. Whoever the head sergeant is there, he is, his post is working at the San Louis. Okay. I'm there with the family. And this is the other thing. It's my two-year-old at the time saw this. So now she's scared of cops. Anytime she's 12 now, we were that just talking about so her. much anytime she would see a cop until she was like eight years old, she would get scared and go hide and say, no, daddy, no, daddy, because she thought the cop was going to come take me. So this is what happened. We're at the San Louis. Mm -hmm. We're kicking it by the bar. It's probably about 11 o'clock at night. Outdoor bar. There's some drunk ass dude in the pool with his mom and some white trash motherfuckers getting wasted. Right. And. They're getting rowdy and acting stupid and throwing beer all over the place. And they like the dude comes and jumps and splashes and gets water all over me. I'm like, yo, bro, what the fuck? And he starts tripping. Ah, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. And anyhow, the cops ends up coming over and he's like, hey, Timmy, what's going on to the drunk dude in the pool? And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, fuck, man, this dude knows this dude. This is going in the wrong direction. I was with my wife. I was with my kid. I was with my son and his friends like sober, mm -hmm. wasn't drinking, just got back from dinner. 
and fucking Timmy and his mom and shit fucking throwing beer around. And, and that's why I was like, yo, can you please chill? I got my kids around. And he's like, ah, fuck you, man. I'll kick your ass and da, da, da. And his mom started talking shit and the cop comes up and he's like, what's going on, Timmy? And Timmy's like, oh, this dude's talking shit to me, Bob, or whatever the fuck his name was. And Bob, or whatever the dude's name was, he was like, sir, you need to leave. I'm like, leave? What do you mean? I'm like, that's the dude you need to go after. He was like, no, you need to get out of here. I'm like, I'm here with uh, about 15 people, like our whole family, extended family, cousins brothers grandparents yeah we had suites at the fucking place i mean it was a twenty thousand dollar weekend it's like what do you mean me go i'm i'm staying here yeah and i'm up in this room he was like i'm not gonna tell you one more time you need to leave and i was like what bam slams me on the bar puts me in cuffs puts his fucking baton in the back of my neck basically smashing my head against the bar puts me in cuffs got my wife right here holding my two-year-old two-year-old is crying what the fuck's going on so my buddies, uh, one of my friend's business partners at the time actually happened to have been there with his family. And he was like, no, sir, you got the wrong dude. It's the dude in the pool. Yeah. And the officer's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, no, no, but wait, you've got the wrong guy. Yeah. And he's pointing at the kid in the pool. Like that's a troublemaker over there. And the cops like, you better get out of here. Grabs him. Bam. Slams him up against the bar. God, my blood is boiling right now. Cuffs him up, throws him in the back of the car with me. My wife holding my two-year-old, two-year-old screaming, and my wife is like, no, you got the wrong people. These, you know, my husband wasn't doing shit. We're sober. We're hanging. They're like, ma'am, you need to get out of here. I was like, babe, you better get the fuck out of here before they slam you with the baby. Yeah. So anyhow, they take us to jail in Galveston County. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, there luckily it's a lot different than Fort Bend or Harris County. You basically can pay once you get there, sit there for two or three hours, you exactly. pay yourself, get out, bail yourself out. It, it's that is one thing I'll give credit to to the 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 the, the fucking station there. Galveston needs a lot of uh, they need funds, and so what you're talking about right now, I've actually seen reflected in cases that I've had out in Galveston as well. So what does somebody do? When you get manhandled like that by the head of fucking whoever their chief of police or whatever his position was, obviously he's one of the top dudes because he's older. He's always there. And I still see him. This was, well, my daughter's 12 now, so that was 10 years ago. And when we go visit there, I still see him. I get fucking, I have a panic attack when I see the motherfucker because I'm worried he's going to recognize me or my tattoos and come fuck with me again. Yep. So what does somebody do in that position? So this is what sucks about this. What I hate that I've had to tell my 72-year-old father for the last 12 years that I've been uh, an attorney. My dad educated me my whole entire life to become an attorney, to uphold the Constitution in this country. And that's exactly what I do on a daily basis as a criminal defense attorney. What bothers me is, is I have to tell my dad, and I have to tell you, and I have to tell the people that are watching this, that if an officer is violating your constitutional rights, I should be able to tell you that you should be able to stand up for yourself you should be able to tell the officer no you're violating my constitutional rights i know my rights all that because that's what we're supposed to be able to do unfortunately that's not what i can tell people to do because i'm putting them at risk of getting hurt yeah badly severely maybe even killed so what kills me is my dad did so much you know an immigrant from india comes here raises his son to become an attorney and now i have to turn around and look at my dad and tell my dad listen if a cop is going to violate your constitutional rights let him because i'll take care of it later in court but i don't want you to get slammed to the ground at the age of 72 i don't want you to get killed yeah 
because sometimes we are the wrong color. If you if you don't mind me sure. saying, no, it's not true. at all, absolutely. And or catch extra charges for resisting. There you go, catch extra charges for resisting when there shouldn't have been an initial confrontation yep. to begin with. Absolutely, and that's what kills me. So what has to happen at that point is is it sucks for me to have to tell this to somebody, but keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Do not answer any questions. You have no obligation to answer any questions. You have no obligation to give a statement. I just did a video about this a little while ago. Uh, in fact, it was the video that I did before the one I did yesterday. Um, basically, in that video, I was talking about if an investigator wants to speak with you about a case that you might be implicated in or even a friend might be implicated in. I told him that the only time you should ever talk to an investigator when he wants to talk to you for those reasons is never. You have absolutely no obligation to. I'm telling you, if you are implicated in a crime and he wants to get your statement, I don't care how many cops tell you this. It is not the truth. They are not taking that statement to maybe clear your name. They are taking that statement because they suspect something of you and they want to use that as evidence against you. Remember, anything you say can and will be used against you. Yeah. And so that's why in that video I even said, you know, it could be your friend. It could be you. So rule number one, always keep your mouth shut. Rule number two, never, ever rat on your friends. Yeah. But. When you're in that kind of situation, unfortunately, keep your mouth shut. Be cooperative, too, because that will help later on when we go to court. Yeah. You're getting arrested no matter what. Yeah, you, you can still be nice. Kill exactly. them with kindness. Take 100%. it in the ass and fight later. Exactly. Either you're going to get arrested after you got your ass kicked or you're going to get arrested after you've been cooperative. You look good in front of the DA. And I'm going to show her all your constitutional violations. Do you ever go after them or have you seen any clients that want to go after them or how can you go after them? I have. Um, in fact, I had a uh, case where I sued Rosenberg PD. Um, they basically, in my opinion, uh, and obviously the court's opinion, uh, they beat the crap on my clients for no reason. And then they charged my clients with a bunch of felony offenses and a couple of misdemeanors. So first, obviously, I attacked all the criminal cases first, got all of those dismissed because they were BS. Then after that, I actually sued Rosenberg PD. I was really surprised because, you know, we they, we had a video and Fox News did a, a, a piece on me and so did the local news, right? I couldn't believe it. It got picked up at Fox News in New York. And because wow. of that, it got put online. Like, you know how people have these websites like, you know, policingthepolice.com, yeah. whatever. It got put up on a bunch of different websites like that. And so it was a nationwide case. Um, I you, also, yeah, you, that you was, went viral. Yeah, I went viral. <laughs> That's go. exactly right. Exactly. In hey, your industry terms, I went viral. Take it when you can, brother. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And it was great because I had friends that were in California and other places that, um, I didn't even know until yeah. they told me they would, they didn't even tell me. They just posted it on Facebook and tagged me and were like, you know, my boy down in Houston doing his thing. And that's cool. Yeah. But it was, it was really good. I was, what I was happy more about that than anything else is, you know, People that live in Rosenberg know what the cops are like over there. And I'm, once again, I want to make this clear. It is not all cops. Yeah. Okay. We just have our bad seeds out there, our bad apples. And sometimes they influence the other cops, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll completely agree with you. I had a gun company for several years. Yeah. We did a lot of work with the fire departments, first responders, police, all of them. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it, it nine out of 10, if not 95% of them are all amazing people they put their life on the line 
Absolutely. Much love to our first responders. 100%. If, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. So I completely agree with that. And I want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. But I there agree. are a couple cocksuckers out there that got <laughs> beat up in school, yeah. or didn't get the hot girl. Exactly. And now they're taking it out on fucking society. And it's bullshit. It is. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, I, I would implore those cops that feel that way to understand where they are now. We need you. Okay, we need you, regardless if you felt like we didn't need you when you're in high school, like you're talking about, we need you now. And so what we implore of you more is that you are there. We are supposed to look at you like, man, I remember when I was a little kid, I never looked at cops the way I do now. When we were eight, nine years old, the whole the, we were raised to think they those were here were to protect the giants. us. Those yeah. Were, yeah, those were the superheroes. Yeah, and I just... How do you how do you do that in the way our society is now? How how do you how do you explain that to your children? Raise your children in in that that mindset when they can look online, and they can see exactly what's going on. So I I find that difficult. But I mean, at the end of the day, when a cop is violating your constitutional rights nowadays, I would tell somebody, look, you're getting arrested regardless. Be nice. Be cooperative. Do not answer any questions. Keep your mouth shut. Tell them, officer, I, I respect your authority. However, I, I decline to answer any questions. Like yeah. I always say, DWI stops, no SFSTs, no standard field sobriety tests, no blowing, no breath. That's yeah. my opinion. No, I've, I completely get it. And we'll get more into that. And I don't want to make this harping about cops and good cops and bad cops. Yeah, absolutely. I love law enforcement, what they do for us. They're the reason why we're here. Same here. And uh, shout out to all law enforcement. And a absolutely. big thank you to all the ones that risk their lives every day. Do appreciate that. Absolutely. For the, for the one that beat me on the fucking <laughs> pool bar, though, fuck you. <laughs> and you know, just, just today, just today, I have somebody coming to the office right now to pick up a donation that I'm making to uh, the Houston Metro Police Department. I... Um, all year long, practically every month, I'm making donations to different organizations. Like, you know, there are some that do it for fallen cops for their families. Yep. There are some that do it just for the funds for the, the police department, so on and so forth. I donate to all of those. We did, we did too with the gun company. Absolutely. And I feel it very important because especially the fallen cops. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, a little while ago I had, um, a buddy that, that, that was killed. It was huge news here. I'm not going to put his name out there or anything, but it was huge news here in Houston and he's an officer and he was shot in the back of the head. And I just love the support that, that everybody in Houston, regardless of race, gender, whatever they, they gave to that. And I just think it's very important to support them as well. There was amazing support for that. And I know yeah. who you're talking about, right. I, I mean, it was really one of the few times you saw the whole fucking city come yep. together Race didn't matter. Yep. Upbringing didn't matter. I mean, that was one time this community came together. It was Absolutely. amazing. It was and really I, I, amazing to see. And I was very appreciative of that, and I always will be. So I agree with you on that 100%. Done deal. Well, let's take it back. I want to uh, get some answers uh, for some of the aspiring entrepreneurs, people wanting to get into um, this type of field or become a lawyer, attorney. Absolutely. And, and so I want to talk about the financials of it and kind of after that college, once you figured out what you want to do, did you know before getting into law that you wanted to be criminal or did that happen after you became a lawyer? Uh, yeah, I did kind of know I wanted to do criminal, but you know, one, I did kind of know that, but then after I had my criminal law class, at Thurgood Marshall School of Law with April Walker. Love her to death. She is the best criminal law professor, in my opinion. Um, she, shout out to April yeah, Walker. Shout out to April Walker. Uh, she uh, really, she's tough. She is a tough attorney. And literally, these are her words. When people ask her why she's so tough, she literally looks at people and says, I ain't raising no punk-ass attorneys. 
because that's exactly what she does. Every single criminal defense attorney I know out of Thurgood Marshall School of Law is a hustler, a gunner, and we don't bullshit in Harris County and Fort Bend. We win cases. The reason being is, is we've come from great training. So one, yes, I did want to do criminal law before I got in, but then once I had that class, it just that that's where it took off for me gotcha that first summer i i uh clerked with a judge in uh, harris county and um that once again i got to see the other side of it i got to see the prosecutorial side the judge side of it more than i did the defense side and so that made me want to get into it even more when i finally did graduate and i started doing criminal law it was the older attorneys in the court that were so willing to help and make sure that i learned and understood how to practice this type of law properly that made me want to do it even more gotcha so i mean my hats off to all the criminal defense attorneys that are senior than me practically all of you guys have helped me out um and i love you guys for it that's really cool yeah really cool so i know i've seen a lot of times where attorneys become prosecutors mm-hmm. before they go on the defense side yeah uh and maybe that plays a little bit into my next question is how did it translate from being a college student to passing the bar mm-hmm. and then becoming a lawyer and starting your own business because I mean you're an entrepreneur you're starting your own business do you go work for the city as a prosecutor do you go work under somebody and you know you're their whatever legal assistant how Mm -hmm. did it work for you for me I came out and I hung up my own shingles right away and the reason being is because I was actually (laughs) when I first came out I did a little bit of entertainment and sports law and uh, I still actually kind of do but very little now um, but my big thing was, is I was going to do one of two things. I was going to either be a lawyer or I was going to go to California and work for William Morris Endeavor, which at the time was Endeavor talent agency. Um, that's Ariel manuals. Uh, the, the whole entourage was based off of him. Yeah. And so I actually got a job in the mailroom when I first started, got out of law school because it doesn't matter if you're not an agent beforehand, you work in the mailroom. I mean, they got, they got MBAs from Wharton working in the mailroom over there. And then I passed the bar. See, I took the bar early. I took the bar in February before I graduated. Very tough, but by the grace of God, I passed. And um, so what I did was I my I had some mentors in college, in law school. Ricky Anderson was one of them. He is one of the biggest entertainment attorneys here in Houston. Uh, he repre- represents people like Steve Harvey, Monique, Yolanda Adams, Ricky Smiley. So, I mean, he's, he's big in the game. And he told me, he was like, look, you know, you've got an MBA you're young. You're, you know, I was 26 when I graduated law school. So like, you're young, you don't, you're not married, you know, you got your parents support. It's like, this is the time for you to start your own practice because if you're not making a lot of money right now, you know, that's okay. If yeah. you, you got to get out there and get your name out there and stuff like that. When you're my age or when you're 10 years from now, it's going to be much more difficult. Yeah. And it's a do or die once you have responsibilities. hundred percent. Yeah. So I got lucky. I came out, hung up my own shingle. And when I started, I had my car, my cell phone and my laptop. That's all I needed. Uh, I got lucky enough where my mentor was telling me that, you know, I got a conference room. I got this. I got that. You need to meet clients here, whatever you can. And so, so that's you, what I did. you ran it out of the house. You ran it out off your cell phone. Absolutely. And when you needed a boardroom to go have meetings that you went to a buddy's boardroom. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had to. And, you know, you want to give that impression, too. Right. Absolutely. I don't want to meet somebody at a Starbucks. You know, yeah. <laughs> in my industry, that would look bad in that realm. What I what I appreciated was is and you know this is a successful attorney we're talking about it's not just a boardroom it's a very nice boardroom yeah so I got to meet my clients there that that showed a little bit of trust they gave me trust then right and I was able to prove myself from there and then through my relationships I got lucky you know I I, I met some more uh, entrepreneurs that let me use the office in their big suite for cheap so then 
you know, slowly, slowly moved away up there. First, I rented an office from somebody. Then I moved over to where I am today in the Arena Towers. Uh, I rented office space from somebody there for a year. And by the grace of God, you know, just building the practice, making a little more money, I was able to branch out and have my own firm. And then once I had my own law, law firm, I actually had a couple of extra offices there, and I was renting those out for cheap to kids that were first starting as well. Gotcha. That's cool. Give them back. Exactly. People help me. I want to help them, you know? And that's that's also uh, one of the things that we learn at Thurgood Marshall School of Law is pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. Protect no, it and pass yeah. it on. Pass it forward, always. Yeah. You said Arena Theater. There's actually a dope-ass R&B concert coming completely off topic. Sorry, but that just reminded me. I need to get tickets. I need to tell my assistant so I can get some tickets. <laughs> well, let me know. I can actually, I, we get free tickets sometimes. Uh, it's our, like like two weeks. I forgot who it was. It was uh, some dope-ass. No, I know uh, what you're talking about. Me and my buddy Sonny were going to that. It's throwback. 112 is going to be there. 112. Ge- I think, nah, is it Genuine? Gen- it is Genuine. Genuine's going Genuine, to Genuine, 112, like all that foreplay shit. Yep, I know oh, exactly man, what you're going, talking about, man. Me and my buddy Sonny go to that all the time. Um, it's going down. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry y'all. We we'll get, get back, back to it. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. So, tell me this. I want to hear about your first case. Win or lose? Do you remember what your first? You get everybody remembers their first. Case, My first right? criminal case, I do remember. Tell, tell me how it went down. I'm not gonna lie, man. How did you get the account? Okay, I got the account from a younger law a kid that was not younger than me in age, but younger than me in law school. He was, I think when I graduated, he was just starting. Or when I was in my third year, he was in his first year. Two of his buddies, well, one of his buddies um, got a reckless driving charge uh, on his motorcycle. Okay. I'm brand spanking new. I don't know what I'm doing. Did you do a pro bono? I didn't do a pro bono. I got paid. But there you go. <laughs> I definitely got paid. But, um, and he got a great result in the sense that we were able to get him a deferred probation. But knowing now what I know, I could have pushed that case a little more and probably even gotten it dismissed but we got him on a deferred probation and then i was able to seal his record and i did that for him for free actually because you know i'd first started he was young like me i i really wanted to seal this guy's record and make sure that this one case that he had in his whole life did not affect him but yes it was a reckless driving case he was on a motorcycle and this is why i say i should have pushed it more he was on a motorcycle and somebody told the cop hey there is a motorcycle driver down there acting crazy on his motorcycle by the time the cop kept catches up to him he's already parked in a parking lot that would have been very difficult to prosecute yeah at the time i was brand spanking new i didn't know yeah you know i was like oh well hey that if they get that guy as a witness and he testifies this could be bad blah 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 but after that um I started getting cases from people he referred me to, people other people were referring me to, and that's when I learned to go into court, grab the file, look around, find somebody who can obviously tell knows what they're doing, and go up to them and just, you know, be humble. I used to go up to these older attorneys and tell them, listen, you know, hey, I just started. Um, would you mind just taking a look at this for me for a second and, and just letting me know if my thought process is correct? This is what I kind of want to do with this case. Do you think that's the right way to go? That's cool. And, oh, man, I was so lucky. I was so lucky. I can I can start naming so many attorneys that have helped me. I mean, even me and you were talking, and you were talking about so many other attorneys, and all of them, they've, they've helped me so much. And that's why I, I, I always try to make sure whenever – any attorney that first starts wants to ask questions or they need help with something or whatever, I try to help as much as I can because we can, if you do it the way I did it, you know, coming out, hanging up your own shingle right away, you cannot make it unless you have help from others. Yeah. How long was it, did it take you until you went from cell phone and car to where you actually got your office? How many years? 
well, my office, I got into an office six months after that. Not even, it was a little less than that. Okay. Um, and the reason being is because instead of having a big money to go get my own office, I was making connections with people so that they would allow me to work in their office. Sure. And then from there I was able, so I would say it took me a, to get my own office and my own suite and everything right at one and a half years. It was like in 2010, I remember it was like August or a little bit before August of 2010 when, and I graduated in 08, May of 08. So it was right around August of 2010 when I uh, got my own firm and I started my own practice. How'd that make you feel? I, I felt great. The, the reason why I felt great even more is I could, I saw something at my, at my dad I, I hadn't seen in a while. Um, and it was just this proud, yeah. this is my son's office. This is my son's lobby. And I remember my dad one day, I was so mad when this happened. He came to the office and because it's the first time he was here, my executive assistant didn't know that was my dad. So uh, she made him wait. She was like, Mr. Waddle <laughs> on the phone. You're going to have to wait this and that. And I come out of, and then the next thing, like, you know, I get off the phone. She buzzes me. Hey, you have a visitor here. Uh, who? And then she asked, I'm sorry, your name. And he was like, I'm Tony's dad. And I was like, what? I come running up there. I was like, you made my dad wait. What are you doing? But my dad looked at me and he was like, this is a proud moment for me. And I go, what do you mean? He was like, I always dreamt I'd have to come to your office one day and they'd tell me I have to wait. That's amazing. Yeah. I got goosebumps. That, <laughs> that's some cool shit. Yeah. my uh, I've been very, very fortunate. My parents are extremely supportive people of their kids, especially. Um, man, definitely unequivocally spoken. I would not have been able to do anything that I've done without them. Like, you know, my dad's dad died when he was three. Wow. Came to this country with, you know, a bride, a, a four-year-old daughter, and, you know, hopes and made it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Just off of the, the hustle. I don't know if I could have done that. I'm lucky. I had him to support me and help me out the whole way through. I don't know if I had it in me to do it without him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He definitely did, but I don't know if I do. But I've been very fortunate. Very That's fortunate. So the four-year-old daughter, is that your older sister? That is my older sister. In fact, she went to school with Laura. Oh, okay. Yeah, they both went to Dulles. Real cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to Dulles. You went to Dulles Junior High. No, I went to Dulles Elementary. Right before okay. I started middle school, I, we moved to New Territory. Okay, and that's why gotcha. I bust out to Lake. I want to go back to the office. Yeah. A year and a half into it, yep. you went ahead and decided to get your own office. Mm -hmm. For somebody looking to take on that same thing, mm -hmm. that responsibility financially, how did you fund that? How much did that take? What was the investment? that it took to get your own office, to get set up for somebody else that's either in those same shoes right now where mm -hmm. they're looking to branch out. What, what type of finances are people looking at doing? Well, you know, when I did it at that time, you know, my rent on this office, because I had some extra spaces in there, a lot, a lobby and a conference room was probably relatively about 2,500 a month back then. Now it'd be a little more, but that's not even the best way to start it. You know, just, the things I did may have worked for me or whatever, but they weren't the best ways because, you know, I'm grassroots. We here, learn right? as we go. We learn as we sure. go. I'm stumbling through things. And maybe that's a better way for me to ask that question. Yeah. For somebody looking to start their own practice or they've been working under somebody else's umbrella, what would you suggest as a cost effective way for somebody to go off and start their own? Perfect. Two things. One, virtual officing. A lot of attorneys offer virtual officing. What virtual officing is, and this is what I think kids should do when they first come out of law school, is look for an attorney that will let you do virtual officing. What that is, is you can use their address, their conference room, 
And then when, you know, your clients come there, they're going to see this lobby. There's going to be refreshments because this is an established attorney, right? So he's got a coffee machine. He's got the water. He's got all that. And you're going to pay him something small just to use his conference room, you know, maybe twice a week because you got to meet clients. You know, you're just starting, right? Yeah. So you're kind of giving that boutique look. That's the best way to do it because it's cheap and you can build clientele. Then from there, the next step, and this, this is kind of how I went. The only thing is I didn't have to pay for my virtual officing. But after that, what you want to do is now you've made a little bit of money. You want to step to an attorney that has an extra office. Like he actually has an office that he's like, I will rent this office space out to you. This is your key. You know, you lock your door, whatever. And I'll even have my assistant greet your clients, sit them down and let you know they're here, blah, blah, blah. You know, once again, to give that boutique look, you know, I've got an executive assistant, sure. I've got an office, blah, 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 blah. And so that's the best way to work, build it up. And, you know, you just got to be smart with the finances, you know, don't jump in anything too early. Yeah, you got, trust me, this career is very long. All right, we have 75, 80, 85 year old attorneys. All right, this career is very long. Build your way up to it. And then eventually, I guarantee you, if you stick with it, if you're hustling, if you're working hard in this industry, you will eventually get to the point where what these people are doing for you, you're going to be able to do for others. Yeah. So that's that's, that's the best way I would say to do it. That's a good nugget of information. Yeah. yeah thank you for that. Thank you for being so willing to share, man. A lot of people like to keep that shit to themselves. See, not me, man. My mentor always used to tell me this pie is big enough for all of us to eat off of. And the best way to make sure that nobody is trying to steal your portion is to help them get their portion. Yeah, I like so that. I love that's why I look at it. <laughs> so how long was it until you finally had that moment where it was like, all right, this is going to work. Yeah. I've got enough income. I've got enough clients or referrals coming in. This is going to work. I'm going to do it. For me, I was very fortunate because what happened with me was is I remember when I first started in 08 and 09 and even the beginning of 10, what I was doing was my lunch was a networking event. After work was a networking event. I wanted to get my name out there and get my my card into as many people's hands as possible because it doesn't matter if you and you don't need me, but you may need know somebody that may need me. Yeah. And so it's just exposure, right? I mean, that's, that's what marketing is all about. Exposing yourself to the community and letting as many people know what you do. So for me, that was what helped the most was around 08, 09, 10. When I first started, I was going to all these places. Finally, the back end of 2010, beginning of 2011, 10, 11, and 12 were great years for me. Um, the firm was hitting a new level. Um, I had more money. I was single. We were kicking it a lot. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> we used to uh, have some good times. Oh, man. I loved I loved hanging out with our crew. We had such a good time. It was a good time. And, you know, and I was fortunate. I was I was, I was was able to hang with you ballers back then because uh, my, my firm hit the next level, and I was able to work hard and play hard at the same time. Well, and that was 10 years ago. So nowadays, yeah. 2020, what do you see as a good way in this business where, you know, young lawyers coming in should kind of focus on generating their business or generating revenues? Back in the day, you're saying you're passing out business cards. Mm -hmm. What is the marketing tactics that work in your industry? These <coughs> I think the best things that work in our industry now are social media. In fact, you know, I, I do a lot of videos now. And I've seen that. Thank you. That, that those those have been very helpful. And actually, some of your advice was how I, I kept those going. Man, they're amazing. I love doing those because at first, you know, when you do those videos, you think, oh, man, my boys are going to clown me for this. And that. I've had the opposite response. I was surprised. I expect, I mean, you know how we are with each other, right? Dude, I love your slogan, your tagline. <laughs> I mean, what you think, Hector? Can we get it right now on camera? All right, I'll do it. Uh, and remember, at the Waterwan Law Firm, 
we've got your back. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it, bro. Thank you. I love it. So social media, that's how people should be generating business. It's one of the top ways right now. Absolutely. A couple of years ago, I was very lucky. This um, girl that came out of law school, you know, she was just asking me for help and stuff like that. And so we went to lunch and I was just telling her about, and she was still in law school at the time. She was just awesome at networking. And she actually told me, she was like, you know, you should do videos like this and blah, blah. Cause I was just talking to her about DWIs and I just happened to tell her something about it. She was like, that's an, you know, you should do, you, I'm going to take, and then she picks up her phone and she records me saying what I'm saying about DWIs. And then she puts it up and she's like, look, uh, my, you know, attorney friend is telling me this, blah, blah, puts it up on social media, tags me in it, all this kind of stuff. And so all these people are like, oh, great information. That's good, man. Does he do videos, all this? And she was like, see, you need to start doing this. Absolutely. And that's how I started doing them. That's amazing. Yeah, and she's it, an amazing attorney now. She's doing very well for herself. So, good. Yeah. And once you do that, it's just you get hooked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get hooked. In fact, when I'm not doing videos, because you even remember you pointed out to me there was a long period of time where I hadn't done one. Yeah. I had a lot of people message me and be like, I haven't seen a video lately. Like, am I missing it? Do you have them somewhere that I'm not seeing them? This and that. I'd see people out in public. There was one time I was with the family and we were at uh, a Lupe Tortilla over by Siena uh, Plantation. And this woman came up to me and she goes, I'm sorry, I don't want to bother you, but um, is your name Wadwa or something like that? And I'm like, uh, yeah. She's like, you're an attorney, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I've seen your videos. I haven't seen one in a while. <laughs> She's like, we have a bunch of mutual friends on Facebook that have shared it. And so I got to see it. I was like, what the heck? It felt so good. I was it like, does. I got, I got recognized. It's amazing, yeah. you know? It's really cool. I, we go out yeah. a handful of people. Oh, we'll I'm sure with they, you that happens all the time. Well, every once in a while. Yeah. But it's when somebody says, hey, we're following you. We watch your videos. We love what you're doing. I mean, it's the best motivation in the world to keep you going. Exactly. That's why I want to keep doing them. And, yeah, man, the, the, <laughs> it's, it's easy to do videos. The hardest part about it is to make sure you got content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there are things that I could talk about for, for hours to explain it, but I always do these one minute videos because I want to keep people's attention. After a minute, people are just going to click off it and not watch it anymore. Yep. So I want to make it a topic or something that I can talk about where I can explain the whole thing in one minute. Well, we'll talk more about that afterwards. After, I want to show you how to come up with all those Please, I, I, I need your help. <laughs> well, one thing I want to touch on as well that you were talking about earlier was, you know, bringing in money, finances and all that stuff. One thing that most people don't know about is the overhead involved yeah. with being a lawyer. You know, most people see it from their perspective of it's going to cost me 2500 to 10 grand to fight this case. I got to pay a lawyer all this money. Lawyers are getting rich. Yeah. They don't realize the overhead. And I'm not aware of that. What type of overhead is there? And this is for the audience as well as aspiring entrepreneurs. What type of overhead are you paying on a monthly basis or lawyers pay on a monthly basis that People need to think about taking into consideration when they're thinking about this profession or even a client that's about to pay two to five grand for a service. Yeah. You know, where does that money go? How much profit is really left over? Well, I'll say this much for me personally, relatively, I would say, and, and attorneys around like what they do, what I do, and they pretty much generate what I'm generating. We all see each other. We know that our businesses are, are, are similar in the sense of our revenue and whatnot. You can look at anywhere from about 10 to 15 grand a month in just overhead. You know, you got rent, you've got cable, Wi-Fi, the facts, your phone lines, and you're running a law firm here. You can't have one phone line. You got to have about two to three phone lines that carry over to each other. Plus, you've got an executive assistant that you've got to pay. And I mean, this is an actual person that's running your firm for you. Okay, Their executive assistant is like your right hand. You know what I mean? Um, 
we even make the joke in the office that, you know, my wife always says this, that my executive assistant is my work wife because <clears throat> she's just so involved with my firm and does so much. And it's very difficult to find good, good help. But the way that you do that is you got to pay them correctly. Sure. If I'm going to bust my hump for you, you got to make sure you're, you, I have a vested interest in this company. So you want to make sure you're paying them correctly. Now let's talk about everything else. Facts, right? So you need paper ink you know how much paper and ink attorneys go through yeah i'm paperless <laughs> mainly so i can't imagine when i hear paper ink i'm like ah fuck that everything's yep. digital see and yes the courts are trying to go digital and all that kind of stuff but not yet well they they are they're digital but you got to understand when i go in front of a judge and i'm talking about these motions that are in my hand i can't be like oh judge look at my ipad here this is yeah. no i've got papers in front of me i've got thick stacks i've, I've got to know all this you know what i'm saying contracts contracts till this day it doesn't matter if you email me the contract i got to print it out for my client to sign it sure yeah there's e-signatures whatever but still at the end of the day you're going to print it out to keep it in a file it's just one of those things that you need you have to and then okay you need space for storage Okay, because I only have to keep a client's file for up to five years. After that, I'm not going to keep their file anymore. So I've got to put it away in storage somewhere or I've got to properly, because these are legal documents, I have to hire a company to come and shred them. Okay, now we haven't even started on all of the stuff that you're going to be putting in the office. I've got in my office, you know, we've got my desk, the armoire. I've got um different furniture books fixtures. furnitures fixtures so on and so forth and then also you want to have a nice boutique look so i've got flat screens in the 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 lobby i've got faxes i mean i've got flat screens in the uh conference room and in my office and blah 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 so i mean there are a lot of expenses and you trust me they they add up very quickly you know you got to buy pens you got to have paper you got to have sticky notes you got to i mean just little thing computer for your executive assistant in front my laptop so on and so forth and then if you're in a business like mine where i have to have my clients come in and review their dwi videos and all that kind of stuff i have to have a whole entire system in my lot in my uh, conference room where they can sit down and they can view it on a big screen and blah 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 go through together yeah so i mean there are a lot of expenses to keep up with um but at the end of the day that's why i say you got to slow roll it to get up there um and then once you're getting enough business and you're able to you know charge properly you you can absolutely afford these things but it's it's there is a lot of overhead when it comes to uh running a law firm on your own yeah and i think that's with any business but oh, absolutely i think you know with the law firms it, it definitely can get up there real quick yeah it's because there's little there are little side things that you don't even realize uh, Those are the ones that, that bite you in the ass. Oh yeah, and you know then also you got your lobby. You got to have coffee and water and refreshments and all that kind of stuff because you got to keep up with everybody else because everybody else is doing that. Yeah, got to keep so, everybody yeah. happy. Exactly. So for somebody trying to get into this business, an aspiring entrepreneur wants to become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. What would be the biggest bit of advice that you could give to them? Doesn't matter if you're in law school or you're doing this before law school. If you can do it before law school, do it. Find an attorney. Tell them I will work for free. That's, I did this in law school. I, I, Ricky Anderson, like I was saying earlier, entertainment attorney, awesome. I, I went up to Ricky. I bothered the hell out of Ricky for six months. I told him I will work for free. I will do whatever you want. He was my professor in law school too. So when I was in his class, I was gunning it. I was making sure that he saw me as, oh, wow, this kid takes copious notes. And, and in fact, when a, a article did a, a – uh, when a magazine did an article on me and they interviewed Ricky, that was exactly what he said. It was like, I gave this kid a chance because I saw he took copious notes and was working really hard in my class. So he gave me the opportunity and Ricky was the type, he was like, I'm not going to let you work for free. I'm going to pay you. But at the end of the day, I would have worked for free. 
I would have unequivocally worked for free because I need the experience. Especially for law students. If you are in your first year of law school or if you're going into law school, find an attorney that does what you want to do because law school is not going to teach you how to be a good criminal defense attorney. It's going to give you the base so that you have the knowledge. Then you got to go out there and figure out how to be an attorney. So if you can get that under your belt before you come out, you are leaps and bounds ahead of other attorneys. Big thing is, especially people that want to be trial attorneys like myself, you know, I'm a criminal defense attorney. A lot of my stuff goes trial. So in order to be a trial attorney, I had a little bit of this experience in law school, but I had to learn it outside. I wish I had learned it while I was in law school. Get as much trial experience as you can because trial is the scariest thing for trial attorneys when you first come out of law school. You've never been in one. You got this kid's life on your hands. I mean, you know, that's a very scary thing. Sure. If you're comfortable with it, you will be able to manipulate and, and, and go through it very easily. So that's what I would say is the number one thing for anybody that wants to be a lawyer or is going into law school. If you know what kind of law or even if you don't find an attorney who has his own practice established Tell them I will work for free, spend your summers, whatever you have to do, get a job at CVS, whatever you got to do, but go get that experience because I promise you that is the best thing for you. It's so worth it. Perfect. Well, there it is right there. I'm going to leave it on that note. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate y'all tuning in. This is Tony Wadawan with the Wadawan Law Firm. I'm Jonathan Wiseman. This is another episode of The Grit Appreciate y'all tuning in for this one. Be sure if you want to follow us and see the next ones that you can follow us on any channel. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. Be sure to subscribe. Click that little notification bell and you'll see us on the next show. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys.